Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to my podcast, I Have an Idea with Lawrence Beckick. So today is the 13th of July, 2021. And for anyone switching on their television or opening their favorite news tab uh, in Chrome, you are most likely being confronted with the scenes of the large-scale vandalism and looting which has occurred in our beautiful country over the course of this weekend. And what I want to do today is to kind of give a simplified overview of the chain of events that has led us to this place that we are in at the moment. For those who may not follow in close detail and who may not quite understand like what the heck has happened to bring us to this point. So I think the first thing we need to do is rewind back a couple of weeks ago. Again, most people will be aware that our ex-president, Jacob Zuma, was sentenced to 15 months in jail for contempt of court. Now, what that stems from is the Commission of State Capture, which was signed into effect by Jacob Zuma himself, during his presidency to investigate all the claims of state capture during his tenure as president. He was pressurized a lot into uh, establishing the commission. And I think he also thought at the time that he was fairly confident that he would be handing power over to his uh, ex-wife, of course, Lamini Zuma, and that through this, he would be able to exert enough control to ensure that nothing came out of uh, the Commission of State Capture. Fast forward to the ANC conference, I think Jacob Zuma was quite surprised that an perceived ally of his, David Mabuza from Mpumalanga, voted against him, thereby giving Cyril Ramaphosa enough votes to seize control of the ANC. And this, in my opinion, and as far as I could see, is where things sort of began to, to spiral out of control. Now, for those of you who disagree with what I'm going to say or feel differently, please remember that we're in a constitutional democracy and everybody is entitled to express their own views and their own opinions. And if you have yours, go and start your own podcast as well. So, fast forward to the new dis pensation of the ANC under Cyril Ramaphosa and Jacob Zuma was repeatedly um, remanded to appear before the state capture inquiry. We will remember he did briefly appear um, uh, at the commission but did not like the line of questioning, didn't like the circumstances under which he would appear and then ultimately decided to take the position that he disagreed with Raymond Zondo running the commission and he would appear when Zondo recused himself and was replaced with uh, somebody more favorable to him. Once again, if we look at the history of Jacob Zuma um, with his, his legal battles, we'll know that this is not uncommon for him. 
he claims to want his day in court but will continuously file legal action after legal action to attempt to prevent this from ever occurring. Anyway, the long and short of it is, is that the Constitutional Court finally handed out a 15-month sentence to Jacob Zuma for consent of court, and which effectively meant that the former president would have to spend a minimum of, I think it is roughly three and a half um, months in jail. Subject to this, there were a, a couple of attempts, some of which are ongoing by Jacob Zuma's legal team to keep him out of jail. One of those was to appeal to a lower court, the High Court in Peter Maritzburg, to overrule in some shape or form the Constitutional Court. Again, I'm not an attorney here, so forgive me if my legal jargon is not 100% on point. Um, but the long and short of it is Darlene Porfu, who is his advocate, argued that there were a number of reasons why the lower court could and should rule that um, Jacob Zuma not be sent to jail. Ultimately, this predictably failed as a lower court cannot rule um, against or overturn the ruling of a higher court, which in this case is the Constitutional Court. And Jacob Zuma found himself in a position where the, um, the police were going to be uh, find themselves in contempt of court if they did not arrest him by the deadline given. So what happened, the police sent a um, delegation to Nkandla and there were long negotiations and ultimately Jacob Zuma eventually at the 11th hour handed himself over to police and he began this, um, this sentence of his. A few days later, we started to hear the first reports of... Um, some unrest and some violence that was occurring. To my knowledge, this began along the N3 toll route in KZN. The first I heard of it personally was the the looting and torching of 25 trucks in and around the um, Moy River toll plaza. And this then slowly spread into KZN proper. From there, it spread to Gauteng and we are hearing you know, r reports of things going on in the Eastern Cape. And there is a, a, a level of spread of this violence. I think it's very important to characterize what it is. I mean, really what we are seeing is we're seeing large mobs of people going to m mostly shopping malls, shopping centers, business districts. Uh, looting the assets and then in many cases uh, torching those um, uh, those assets on their way out. What I think is important first is to look at who are these people? Who are these people on the ground that are actually undertaking this looting? And I think for me it's important that we are able to understand that there are really two components to what is um, occurring. There is an organized component and then there is an unorganized component. The organized component to me is, is, is quite interesting and it flashed me back to something that uh, Jacob Zuma's advocate said when arguing at the High Court for the Constitutional Court to 
um, overturn its ruling in some shape or form. He said that if Jacob Zuma was arrested, it may lead to some Marikana type incident reoccurring in South Africa. So at the time, I just like dismissed that and like, you know, um, Dalian Pofu, legal grandstanding, just seeing whatever he can say to try and keep his clients out of jail. Well, fancy considering that again um, a few days uh, down the line. But anyway, back to the organized components. These incidents of violence and this looting, people must understand, is not just like entirely spontaneous. There is some level of spontaneity in it, yes. But there is has to be a drive of information that forces or that moves large groups of people to act in a certain way. Now, this morning, there was a briefing by the security cluster, which included some of the players that we'll discuss later. But there was a hint that the um, the police and the SSA, which in South Africa is a state security agency, were investigating claims that the that current and former and or former members of the South African State Security Agency who are loyal to Jacob Zuma were part of the machinery that began the organization of um, of this um, this looting campaign. Uh, I struggle to use the word protest as um, a protest is characterized very differently from the behavior that we are seeing. So here we have a very organized component um, comprising of possibly state security agency apparatus and obviously those that are close and loyal to Jacob Zuma um, acting as the drivers and the organized components of, um, of the unrest that we are seeing. And then on the other hand, I'd like to sort of categorize the unorganized component. These are the people that are just jumping on the bus. So for instance, the organized component plans, let's say that they effectively, they want to try and um, uh, further unrest by targeting a certain mall or certain business district. They start to create a WhatsApp campaign. And all of this is obviously one can see being organized by state security uh, operatives, people who understand how information flow moves people ultimately. Then the information reached the unorganized component. They just simply join the, the, the organized component to create a mob which can then overrun uh, any security or find uh, low-hanging fruit and go in and loot and or burn there thereafter. So I think it's important, like I said, that you understand that there must be an organized component and then there is just the opportunists. I mean, in terms of the organized components, although I have discussed the state security agency, it's not limited to that. You, There are you know, reports of people arriving and I mean, they would be halfway between the organized and unorganized component, but people arriving with trucks and AK-47s at the mall so that they can effectively load more goods. Although they are organized groups, they would to me fall into the unorganized component. So now we understand a little bit more who these people are on the ground. I 
think it's then important to understand like who are the higher level players. So <clears throat> the ANC, as it stands, is an organization that is playing a key role in this and is something, an organization that is deeply plagued by internal struggle, which allows a breeding ground for um, very unfortunate events like this to play out. So we all know that the ANC has two main factions. It has the Cyril Ramaphosa faction, and it has the faction that many call the RET or the Radical Economic Transformation faction. And that would be pro-Zuma and um, <clears throat> contain people such as, uh, as Ace Magashule and um, and all those that are still linked to the sort of state capture and and Jacob uh, uh, Zuma era. And now they continue to fight for control of a bitterly divided organization. And once again, that, that internal conflict inside of the ANC in many cases paralyzes it um, f from action and paralyzes it from guiding the country effectively on the course that our president Cyril Ramaphosa would like it to be on. We have all seen, well, many of us will have seen Cyril Ramaphosa come out and condemn the looting and condemn the violence, but without really offering us too many concrete ideas on how the ANC plans to do that. Obviously, there's also Becky Trele, our infamous minister of police to whom a lot of the responsibility of deploying state resources has fallen to attempt to try and um and and quell some of the 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 unrest another interesting player that was brought into this discussion to me is ayanda Lordlaw, who is our minister of state security um, who kind of alluded to uh, the aspects of potential um, state security, current and or former um, machinery being involved in the protest, and also just kind of uh, expressing that state security was relaying information to the, the, the SAPs, and that just in many cases, obviously, SAPs have been just completely overwhelmed um, in trying to respond to what have been groups numbering in their thousands. Now, I would also like to just kind of give a, an indication of what I think could be the goals of the looters. So I think it's very important that we, that we look at the goals of both the different groups of the, uh, this, the mob, let's say, Obviously, for the organized arm, they're not really in it for the, a TV or a fridge or something. The organized group, what they are trying to do is they are trying to sow political and social and economic instability in the country to try and force the hand of the ANC into releasing and or pardoning uh, Jacob Zuma. This is clearly part of the internal struggle for control of the ANC. Because imagine the what a bolster it would be for the Jacob Zuma RET faction and people like Ace Magashule if 
the current dispensation within the ANC was forced to their knees and say, oh, you know, we release Jacob Zuma, we pardon him. It would literally be the perfect platform for an attack on the power of um, Soro Ramaphosa. So from the organized faction, that is definitely uh, a political power play. Um, they are definitely using uh, uh, the Jacob Zuma uh, issue to drive the unrest, which they will hope that will then ultimately give them further political control of the country. The unorganized faction are simply opportunists. Um, I don't think many of them care about uh, the plight of Jacob Zuma, although some fully may, some really may have strong feelings on the issue. But really what they are there to do is to take advantage of a situation whereby they can <clears throat> run with the protest and possibly get themselves some, some free consumer goods in and that about wraps up part one of my podcasts. Um, in a further episode, what I'll perhaps do is unpack some of the uh, political and or social issues that are laid bare by this type of incident and discuss some of the extreme polarization of our society that, that leads to people being on opposite sides of the fence on this issue and that possibly leads to some participating in the rampage while others are revolted and sickened by the, the actions of others and just to try and maybe you know give some personal reflection as a deeply concerned citizen of this country i think in closing what i would say is that i would really ask that the leadership of this country realize the seriousness of this matter. I hope that people such as Cyril Ramaphosa can remain steadfast in opposition against these elements that are trying to sow unrest in our country. I hope that he stands fast in not pardoning Jacob Zuma. I hope he keeps the NPA on the current track that it is in prosecuting him further for his role in the arms deal. And I would also request to all citizens that you stand fast and you say, no matter what we are thrown, we will not yield to this barbarism. We will not yield to this vandalism and to the unfortunate pawns who are the unorganized, who are taking part in this um, pure acts of barbarism and vandalism. I would actually say shame because it is those same people that will be uh, affected by job losses, uh, businesses closing, and the irreparable harm that will be done to our economy. And to those instigating this, I would say shame on you. Well, you have no shame. You don't deserve a place in our country, you don't deserve a place in our society. And let me tell you that one day you will pay for your actions. This is Lawrence Becking. And I have an idea.